what? Joey, Joey. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. This is a podcast not intended for younger listeners. I know. Not not reflectively employers. I know! Let go of me! Come on, Joey, it's not. I want to say one thing. I wanted, wanted to talk to this guy for a long time. I'm not cloying. I'm not needy. This podcast is two dudes, one double feature. It, it's not just two dudes. It's not just a couple guys talking about movies. You know how, what, how hard it is to carefully curate movies every week? You know how hard John and Kenny work to make the music for the podcast? Yeah, you scared Richard. You thought the lack of listenership was going to close down the podcast. You scared him. Joey, Joey, it's okay. It's a Joey, freaking Joey. podcast with two dudes and a double feature. I'm not needy. You're not. Your lack of listenership is not getting to me. Welcome, welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. Who do you think you're talking to? I am just a figment of your imagination. (laughs) This is a really long delay, so I'm looking at the screen, and it's just your mouth moving, and then the words came out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's going to be one of those. Yikes. It's going to be... I hope it's not that bad, but it was that for a hot second. It, uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm dude one, Richard. <laughs> I am not a figment of the imagination. Uh, I'm I'm dude two, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it feels like it, but then I, I'm reassured that you're not fake, so that's nice. I mean, you've met me in person <laughs> I know. a few times. I know, and I, I, I appreciate that. That was helpful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, oh, this actually relates to relates to a story where I, I, my my, my girlf- girlfriend's brother, Allison's brother, at, at at one point thought I was just a couple of like garden gnomes stacked up in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> What what gave him that idea? Because I was tall-ish. <laughs> I was thinking, like, did you wear a pointy hat? <laughs> like, that was that was my thought. Richard, what do you? What kind of what kind of heathen do you think I am? No pointy hats until after Labor Day. God, <sighs> that's right. That's right. I'm so sorry. Right now, you're just a couple of kids stacked in a trench coat. <laughs> It's like uh, Bojack Horseman. I'm Vincent, adult man. <laughs> One of the best characters uh, on that show. So, you know what? I'm going to turn the tables and subvert your expectations and ask, how are you doing? Oh, I'm going first. You're going first. <laughs> oh, this is, this is a show. You know what? Change is good. Change is good. So... I'm doing all right. I I've I haven't done anything honestly. Like I've just been so lazy. I've been like watching movies. Um, I recently read uh, a new Suicide Squad book called Suicide Squad: Bad Blood, and uh, it's by Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo, Daniels Sampier. I hope I'm saying their, those names right. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, like genuinely, not just like as a Suicide Squad. I mean, like a genuinely good book. 
great art and um it is it does have a lot of unexpected moments in it which is nice that's kind of what you want from a book called suicide squad which is you know that's why like when i think of the the david ayer movie and like the one guy that dies is the guy you expect to die you know so it just kind of like takes away the sense of danger from like a concept like that whereas what what do you mean what do you mean slipknot affected his demise affected me so much Richard. I'm gonna move on from that. Like, so, <laughs> this is why I'm like, dude too, folks. I'm not acknowledging your feelings on about uh, <laughs> uh, Slipknot. You could talk about um, what's his name, Adam Beach, if you want. You could talk about him, <laughs> but but Slipknot, no, we're good. <laughs> uh, but no, one really cool thing about the book, I'll say, is that it is a very diverse. Uh, inclusive book so it has a like a huge roster of characters that you know are all shades all sizes um there's uh gay and lesbian the book was actually nominated for a glad award which is pretty cool oh so i'd look on the on the back to see which one to like just to get more specific but there's a bunch of stuff stacked on top of it so i'm not doing that but it's a very good book and if you want to read something that sort of get you psyched up for the James Gunn movie coming out in August, I would I would recommend that one. It's a very good book. So that's probably my favorite thing I've done recently. Nice. I'm uh, I'm okay. Not much has changed since we last recorded. Like, admittedly, it feels like we've been recording these more on a frequent basis than we've had in recent memory. So it feels like yeah, things that I meant mention. I'm like, I remember when I was like on the I was I was editing our Shakespeare episode, and I'm like, wait a minute. I was I was halfway through season four of Seinfeld. I just got to season five of Seinfeld <laughs> the other day. It, it's it's become because uh, it was much more of a, like a routine thing when we first started this because we were like okay let's just this week this day but we also had more time but then we got kind of a head start during the holidays so we were able to like and with this show we don't necessarily need to be like on a on like it's it's good to be on a schedule but it's we don't necessarily have to because we're not having to rely on anything outside of just ourselves being available this is true so but it's um it feels like this is the third time we've done this in the last week (laughs) but i'm okay with it i like doing it no no i i like talking about movies with you and um you know doing that and it's it's nice to do like something like this on a on a monday you know for a long day and just like you know i i get to just unwind chill out with dude one himself and uh you know talk about movies but one thing i am doing is i'm starting to get rid of more and more bits of my physical media collection i have a lot of dvds a lot of dvds in my collection i have not touched God knows how long. Like they've just been sitting there collecting dust. They've just been been sitting there, and it's not even stuff that I like because there's a lot of discs that I keep for sentimental value. Even if I already have a better version of it on a better like format or whatever. Like if I have, I have Peter Jackson's King Kong. No, I mean on DVD. I mean we were talking about that. I think one episode, right? Like for me, I have just like the newer, more whatever copy. But you have like multiple formats of stuff, which is pretty wild, especially if it's something you love. Yeah, I I, I like to think of myself as sort of an archive, at least among like the two like the two dudes. Yes, you know, like I imagine you are a museum in the best possible way. Part of me is just like you know what, some of these discs, I'm like I just don't need them. Like I've I've like 
these you, these DVDs that I've never touched. I've only purchased because they were like, you know, I got them for a dollar at Suncoast at one point in my life, you know. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll see about th- about that. But I have been selling some discs on eBay, and I've got some some decent money doing that, and that and that's pretty nice. I, I talked about this on the other episode, but you know that that's always kind of fun uh, as well. Very nice. Did um. Are you just doing eBay still, or are you trying other avenues at all? At the moment, I'm doing eBay because I have everything set up on eBay. You know, so it's very, it's it's easy to do. Like, you know, yeah, they take a percentage, but it's like, listen, I, my, my main goal, my main goal is to get it to somebody else who wants it more than I do. Right. And if I make, if I make money off of it, that's cool. You know, if, if, you know, but again, like, and that, that's why like a lot of my collection sometimes too, I'll just give stuff to people. Like I'll be like, "Hey, do you ha- do you have this on disc?" No. All right, here you go. I don't need this anymore. <laughs> I'm so, I you I, I didn't know if you were about to just like preemptively offer me something. I'd be like, "This is a bit awkward. What if I say no?" <laughs> at, at the moment, I don't think I have anything that you want. So I pre- you know, what? I'm glad that you didn't put me on the spot though. <laughs> No, I, I don't. I, I I don't. I already put you enough on the hot seat when I asked you how you were doing before you asked me how I was doing. That was like, what? Hold up, wait. In my notes it says Joey goes first. <laughs> what is happening? This is this is why we can't have like you know how like on talk shows, you know sometimes like if Ryan Seacrest is unavailable for a few weeks, Kelly will have another host on the show like we could never do that on this show no we could like like (laughs) like if i if if you left and then somebody was left with like the basic format of this show they would be screwed over (laughs) unless it was like allison you know or or maybe dr feehan Gifford would just have a, a a fun time going like, what is going on here? You know, a couple people I feel like they there, will roll with it. There, thankfully, there are people that have that that have you know some practice and how the show works. But yeah, it would be it would definitely be a weird episode. And I would I, I think if it was me that that was missing the episode, I would just listen back to it and be like, I would make like, some part of my brain would be like, this sounds like they're having more fun without me. <laughs> just very like insecure nature of myself but but, but richard R- richard but here i will i will preemptively defend that by saying we have done over 40 episodes of the show together mm-hmm. i've only at that point i would have only done one show with whoever that guest co-host was who's to say that we would have like that good of a chemistry 40 episodes <laughs> later We'd be, it'd be like, again, it'd be like the the critic episode of, um, the the episode of the critic with, uh, Siskel and Ebert and (laughs) they, 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 they they break up and it's just like, man, it's like, like we, I, we are, I do feel like we're a bit of a Siskel and Ebert situation, you know, the partnership (laughs) of it. We don't break up. We're just, we're just there for each other. (laughs) And and then, and then we'd have like a fist fight like they do in the episode. (laughs) Like, we'd both get sucked out of the plane. <laughs> you, you like Batman Returns? Well, yeah, you like Congo. <laughs> Accurate. And then I just imagine I just I I'm just casting Gifford as the role of Jay Sherman, just looking out the window, going, "What is going on?" <laughs> like, oh, they're on the wing of the plane. <laughs> uh, but speaking. Of critics. 
Speaking of critics. This week's episode. This week's episode um, deals with critics, actually, as as one, some of the themes and, and some of the, the plot subplots of these uh, films we're talking about today, actually. It does. Like, like, critics play an essential role, but if there is one thing, 100%, that this show is all about this week, it's probably one of my favorite things, probably my all-time favorite thing, and I imagine it's the same for you, it's food. Food is great. Who doesn't love food? Listen, it's listen. The, the people people say people have that expression sometimes, like you should eat to live, not live to eat. And I'm like, I'm both, man. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I it's it's a necessity, but I can enjoy it at the same time. If it's something you have to do, make it fun. Like I, I just had mm-hmm. every Monday. We have you know my mom's homemade baked macaroni and cheese. I have two pieces of of nice breaded chicken. That I put the mac, the mac and cheese on top of, and then pour it on top of it is some nice barbecue sauce. It's like you got to make it fun. You got to you know, make gotta, it fun. You got to make you got to make it exciting. I just had, I mean, it's it's simple, but like I just had some hot dogs on a bun. But I put ketchup underneath. Maybe nice. I'm a, maybe I'm a heathen for doing that. I don't care. I don't know the general process of that. But I had some uh, some. I, I've never. Huh. I don't. I don't know if that I've was never like. Done that. That's interesting. I've never. I don't. I don't know if that's like a thing that people are like. Wait, you put it on the bottom? I'm like, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, it gives you. Like, I feel like it gets. You know, I don't know. I don't know why I do it. I think it's because my mom did it, and so I just do it as well. But I do have a question. I do have a question for you. On that note, what is your all-time favorite food? And when I ask this, I want. Oh. I mean, like specifically, like if like if it's from a restaurant. How it's what's on it, what what it comes with, what's, or like what's prepared like and... all the details. I want you, I want you to really just like lay it in descriptively because I want I want to I want to like just be like salivate. Just oh, sounds so good. I mean, I can name like a, a certain specific number of of different dishes that are like specific. So I'm gonna I'm gonna name two. Go for because, it because like one of them is, is from a restaurant, um, uh, Main Street Bar and Grill. Uh, they have half price. The ha- if you eat at the restaurant on Wednesdays, they have half, not half price. Uh, buy one get one burgers. Bogo burgers. Bogo burgers, and uh, I get a cheeseburger, a ni- nice, nice juicy ten ounce patty, Oof. cooked cooked medium with frizzled onions, Swiss cheese, uh, nice the nice bun. Their coleslaw. Listen, I know coleslaw isn't the most popular thing in the world, but it's you. Love, it's you, man. I love a good coleslaw, and that's that's like my fa- like my favorite dish at like a specific restaurant. As far as like homemade dishes, what does it come with though? By the way, does it come with fries? Oh yes, it comes with fries, or you can get like their their nice uh, nice chips that they have as well too. But are they like the like fresh cut? Are they the like crinkle fries? Like what kind of fries? I, I think it's it's more like the just like the fresh cut. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes the fr- fries aren't even the best part. I mean, you really have to ask for them well done. Right. I, I, I would say. But, you know, the chips are good there, too. And as far as, like, homemade dishes, like, you know, think about my, my, my grandmother's um, meat sauce, which my mom made the other night. And let me tell you, that it, that was, ugh, that is so good. You know, like, sometimes when we have pasta night, I'll have, like, a bowl or so. With just the marinara sauce or whatever, but with this meat sauce, it's so good. Oh man, like, and it's like it's you have to have it in in the pot for like three hours, 
you know, garlic, uh, you know, some nice, some nice ground beef. Mm. <sighs> mm. So good. Um, but, but also then the one for my mom, broccoli cavatelli, we sometimes call it broccoli gabadil. Uh, you know, she doesn't make it often, but when she does make it so good, like think about like <sighs> the garlic, broccoli, the way the pasta is prepared. It, it's, it's, it's a great dish. It's a great great dish and when she makes it it's like there's a lot of it so it's like really nice as far as leftovers but mm. uh, what about you oh it's it is a it is a tough question for sure like you're saying um for for a restaurant it's probably it's probably up there between a couple local places um for uh there's a place called Gionino's. it's a pizza place around me and i mean i know i can't speak entirely for pizza especially talking to someone who is near like the mecca of great pizza obviously but uh this like this pizza for for where it is it's pretty damn good um i usually get uh large pizza pepperoni on it and then i'll get this like huge box of like 25 jojos because the the options are like six or 25 that's it. <laughs> that's that's like saying, "Hey, do you want a kid size? Or you want a super size?" And you say, "Is that a question?" Of course, I want the most. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> I'm like I'm like a damn Disney princess. I want more. <laughs> I exactly, exactly, and like oh, they're the best. Like they're so crispy, and they're they're always hot, no matter how uh, how, how you order it. If you do like the DoorDash or if you go to pick it up, like it's just. Uh, it's the best. I remember uh, one of my jobs. Uh, we got a bunch of coupons for like free, pe- like medium pizzas and JoJo's and stuff, and, like half off as well. And uh, we would periodically order from them, use the coupons, and we would just have like a pizza party at work because it's like, why not? You know, it was great. Yeah. And then the other probably restaurant I would say is another local place. I've told you about it. It's called Swenson's. And it's like a, I, was, I knew you were going to mention Swenson. Is it? It's a. Uh, you've probably even heard like LeBron James talk about it because you know he's from Akron because it's an Akron staple, and uh, it's a drive-up restaurant. So even now in the, in the times we're in, you can go to that place and just sit in your car and enjoy your food. Um, they make the patties a certain way. Like I don't know if it's butter or brown sugar, but there's like a sweetness to them, which is like. Like when you get the cheese on there, you get the burger. Like it's it's heaven. It's on like like it is genuinely heaven. Like it's it's the place that whenever like out of towners or like family comes to visit us that aren't used to having Swenson's because I think it's mostly a Northeast Ohio uh, restaurant. Um, we uh, well, that's the first place we take them. So if you ever came to Ohio, that's the first place you would go to get food. And then if and then if it was and then if you didn't like it, then we'd have to kick you out. I'm sorry, you couldn't you couldn't stay in the state, <laughs> or at least that part of the state. You can go somewhere else. But then again, it's not the best part of the state, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Steelers fan, so I don't think I'd be welcome in the state anyway. <laughs> you just got to sneak in that way. <laughs> I'll get you in. <laughs> like no one look at him. He doesn't exist. He's a figment of my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> There's no one here. <laughs> oh my god! Um, and then, as as far as uh, at home meals, I love making tacos at home. 
like my mom my mom used to make them a lot and then i started making them i like i I like to cook a little bit i'm not i follow directions mostly but i like to like do a couple different things and learn new tricks here and there to make things better like this is probably stupid to say because i imagine more people knew this but i didn't know that the best way to make a taco is to sort of like warm in the pan to warm the tortilla so that it's more pliable and stickier so that when you wrap it you don't have to worry about it like unfolding out or like the meat falling out so okay um if you don't know that trick like look it up to get more specifics but it it actually works and it's makes it like a pouch so it's it's good trust me um but the other day when we were watching our first movie or or yeah before we watched our first movie i made quesadillas and uh, got a little olive oil in the pan uh put the tortilla in uh made some ground beef salt pepper um some taco seasoning a little bit of water sort of let it all go and then some cheese put it all together it's amazing it's my favorite thing it's literally like taco night's my favorite night at home very cool and that's and that's what this and that's what these movies are all about like you know the love of food like you know there's a lot of movies about chefs and a lot of movie about movies about cooking but i think these these two movies specifically are very much like about food and about the love of food and and like the magic of food and with our first film i know it took us 20 minutes to get to it but for our first film we are talking about um the disney pixar classic ratatouille it sounds like rat patootie <laughs> you know like rat and patootie <laughs> <laughs> regrettably we are all out of wine <laughs> oh man this is can, can i i'm gonna say briefly my history with this movie please do i saw this movie first time 2007 at summer camp okay all right summer, summer camp we would go to the movies sometimes and we saw uh we saw ratatouille and two i saw it with two of my best friend my best friends at the time i hope they're doing okay now but one of them, I will not, uh, they will remain nameless for the purposes of this show, but one of them, like, there was a part where, um, the, the, the romantic leads kiss, and he was like, ew! He <laughs> 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 was co co covering his eyes, you know. And, Why are they and, doing that? it's not that? an indictment on him, it's just, like, thinking back then, like, you know, when you're, like, 13 years old. 13 almost 14 years old and you're in summer camp <laughs> watching a disney pixar movie <laughs> and i was like this movie is fine and i didn't watch it again until allison was like hey let's watch this and i'm like okay all right fine i wasn't <laughs> oh, really like that with oh her, you said you like, oh yeah sure it's been a long <laughs> but but you said sort of like the like a defeated sound like oh gosh we have to watch this movie again. I mean, it's fine. I guess we'll just get through it. Like, you know, and, and it, it, I don't think it was that, because I, I, I was just like, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen this. You know, we'll, we'll see how I like it. And wow, it, it's, it jumped <laughs> up into like my top, top three, maybe even top two favorite like Pixar movies. Oh, wow. Like this is, it, it is, it is an incredible movie and it is always a joy to watch this movie which is why when i when we watched this together last year it was also a lot of fun because it was my first time watching it ever 
It was. Yes. <laughs> Which, again, track record of this show should come as no surprise to anyone. <laughs> it's really the narrative of the show, honestly, at this point. At this point, yeah. It's like, it's not so much two dudes talking about movies. It's also like a subplot of one guy showing another guy movies he probably should have watched already. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, too, like, I like. I love Brad Bird, like I love his movies, so it was just a surprise that this is one I never got around to. I think part of it was just because I was so used to like his sort of like 50s, like retro science fiction type aesthetic that he does a lot, like Iron Giant and The Incredibles and Tomorrowland and whatnot, um, but last year I wanted to just watch all of his movies because... Again, I love his movies, so I wanted to do it. And the two most important ones were Ratatouille, because I hadn't seen it, and Ghost Protocol, because I hadn't seen it. But with Ghost Protocol, it was a bit more, because I had to go through all the Mission Impossible movies, or else I didn't think it would make any sense. <laughs> so... <laughs> and, you know, I, I now own all the Mission Impossible movies, so something good came out of that. But with this one... Um, it is so different, though, from what you're used to with Brad Bird, because he is ha he has that certain aesthetic, but it's always nice to see another side of a director, you know, whenever a director who's known for one particular thing tries something a little bit different and succeeds, and sometimes even does better than what they're known for, it's great. And, like, with, with Ratatouille, like... You like I if you would have said that this was a Brad Bird movie, I wouldn't believe you. Save for the fact that it's a really good movie, I'd be like, okay, well, he tends to make outside of one, he tends to make really, really good movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, it's I half enjoy it at the very like. There's there's some things worth liking about it, about the movie in question. Ratatouille is is great is great all around though. Yeah, I, I have to say this might be it might be my favorite Bride Bird movie. Really? Yeah. And I think on the surface, yes, it doesn't feel like what he would traditionally do, but I feel like the themes are very Brad Bird. Yeah. I, I can definitely agree with that. Be because the like what do you hear is the constant like mantra in this movie that's said by Gusto, who's you know, the deceased chef who appears as a figment of the imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Well, his his, uh, his his famous quote is obviously, "Anyone can cook." Anyone can cook, but by I know I'm jumping to things, but like by the end of the movie, like Anton Ego, played brilliantly portrayed by the late great Peter O'Toole, um, sort of expands on that and says, "Not everyone can cook, but anyone can." Yeah, like you know, and and that feels like that makes me think of like The Incredibles. To, like with some of the scenes, but like with Dash, where he's just like you know he he wants to really just show off, and not ever not everybody can be a superhero. Yeah, you know, and you think about like the character of Syndrome and and all that, you know. But with, with Ratatouille, it's a, it's a little it's a little different, um, because it, it just shows like yeah, like that doesn't mean everybody's destined to be able to do that thing, but that great talent, great talent, and and great like ability can come from anywhere and that go that applies to a lot of things even just outside of food i mean it just just at, especially um in just an art in general you know you think of some of the most amazing paintings ever and then ha sometimes you'll be like wait this is where it came from and it's like yeah it's because and it's it's because 
we all have different experiences and we all come from different walks of life, which means we all interpret things differently, which means that when it comes to the, uh, the way we express ourselves through an art form, uh, will come from a very different lens. And so it's just ultimately, yes, it ultimately does mean, Hey, I mean, anyone can do anything, maybe not everyone and not, and maybe not everyone can be great, but, but greatness can come from anywhere. Yeah. And that's that's true. So I think we should talk about a little bit of the of the actual story of this thing because it's about a rat that makes food, which <laughs> like that's that's kind of a wild concept in a way. <laughs> like 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 the like a number one health code violation making your food. <laughs> oh, and I know I said this in my uh, my do twos pickups. I love taglines for movies. Mm-hmm. You want to know the tagline for Ratatouille? What's the tagline for Ratatouille? He's dying to become a chef. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and the poster is just him surrounded by knives. That is a, that is a, that is an icon. That's why it's the thumbnail for this. I, I believe like that's the poster I used because it's it's great. But yeah, like you have this rat Remy who is obsessed with cooking, right? He is obsessed with food. And just the culinary arts, and he's obsessed with Gusto, you know, very famous chef who had his own restaurant, which is a restaurant that's also coming into some hard times because of you know the the corporatization of that brand and all that. Which we'll get into we'll, some of that also with the second film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's also like. Uh, it, it started just getting bad luck with, uh, the corporate aspect of it all, but also it got a bad review from a highly regarded film, uh, food critic. I almost said film critic, food critic, uh, Anton Ego, as we mentioned. And, um, ultimately with the, uh, passing of Gusto himself, which left, you know, the restaurant without its, without its, without its face, without its heart. And so now it's like, well, where's the restaurant going to be now? And um, in walks um, this sort of gangly, shaggy-looking dude. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> and um, clearly no aspiration to cook whatsoever outside of um, he he'll, he he wants to work at the restaurant. He just doesn't you know care about the cooking part. He, he's fine mopping and taking out the garbage and uh unfortunately he not un- really unfortunately but maybe unfortunately for him at the time um he encounters remy um who is inside the the kitchen at the time and through crazy circumstances the two team up to make food at this restaurant it's a very very un as, as the box office mojo description says an unusual alliance <laughs> between like a like a like a early 20 year old like lazy guy <laughs> and a and a food obsessed rat yeah and but but also the important thing is too with that 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 lazy guy that lazy guy is is also uh you know has some relations to gusto so he wants to consider try to live up to that legacy even though he is not a great chef <laughs> oh it sucks <laughs> Like now, you not only do you work in this restaurant, but it was owned by your father, and you now and now with this like facade you have to pull up, you have to pretend that you're this giant, amazing 
like lineage type situation. And and then there's there's just all sorts of things that go on with, with this movie. Like you know, like oh, the soup was a surprise hit, and the restaurant starts to attract attention again. And man, it's one of those situations that you I I feel like you see in a lot of kids' movies where like a lie that sort of works out starts building on itself and building on itself and building on itself until it's like sort of spilling out. So it, it really gets to a point where uh, where Remy and what's his name Linguini Linguini Linguini. I, I don't want to keep calling him lazy shaggy looking dude. <laughs> so linguini like zoinks little chef <laughs> i just ate this whole sandwich <laughs> anyway i would have gotten this restaurant it weren't for you meddling kid and your stupid rat <laughs> i'm surprised that didn't happen but <laughs> that would have been, been great <laughs> old man skinner <laughs> i would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you and your metal little rat. Like Zoinks, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But, no. The, the the biggest thing, though, about this movie, like like we were just talking about, is that, it's again, it's a movie that clearly loves food. So, like, you have all these amazing, glorious animated shots of food and and Remy preparing it. And this, I always love the bit when um, Remy like takes a bite of something and he's like, he's like experiencing the taste profile of of that. And then he bites something else, and it's a whole different experience. Then he puts them together, and there's like explosions and fireworks, and and he's just like completely blown away by this flavor combination, and you know, the passion that he gets from that. And then, like, he tries to share it with his brother, and his brother's like, oh, I don't see it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like like with the brother. I was actually thinking about this scene a lot when I rewatched it, because, like, it, you, you think it would just be just a comedic scene, but I think it proves a point that, you know, not everything is, like, necessarily as universal as you might think it is. Yes. Because you love something doesn't mean everybody else is going to love it. And I also, again think about Anton Ego's um, like s you know essay or, or review at the end of the movie where he's just like well listen like the indistinguishable junk is gonna be is gonna be mo- way more valuable in a sense than it than it ever will that my writings about it will because the general public's just gonna have it yeah you know and that's not to, to criticize anybody it's just like hey people people do like what they like I mean you know you hear like professional chefs and people in that industry like constantly bagging on fast food joints but like the truth is i mean yeah mcdonald's for example has sold over has sold billions of hamburgers because people like it yeah you could say it's over salted or it's a cheap cut of meat frozen whatever people still buy it people still like it i mean there's a level there is a level of uh, of consistency there and you know because that's the other thing too is like talking about like discoveries of of, of food and like tr- trying to do something like that's daring or different you know sometimes like i said the, like daring and new is is like a can be a scary thing yeah for people and especially in the case where you have a health code violation as your main <laughs> protagonist literally um him just like in the kitchen I always, though, if I'm being honest, I always thought it was kind of adorable when he gets a little drop of water and washes his hands. 
Yes, that was that's great. <laughs> like, like you know, what? he might be a health code violation, but he is a clean health code violation. He does try to be uh, uh, cleanlier than uh, than his than his uh, his rat his rat buddies and his rat family. Uh, his dad's played by Brian Dennehy. Uh may he rest in peace too. May he may he rest in peace. But uh, you know what's you know what is also a good indication that Remy is clean because he bit Laguini a bunch of times and he did not catch anything. So there you go. Remy's taking care of himself. <laughs> Actually, those are the, the, the those were the deleted scenes. Oh no! Um, <laughs> that that Bob Iger uh, requested be left on the cutting room floor. I'm sure you didn't know that. Richard. No I'm kidding. <laughs> It's just a scene where, like, it's actually the ending of the movie because Linguini dies. <laughs> and it's just the new Black Plague, and, like, nothing good happens. The end. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it, it really is just um, a great movie with, like, those themes and... You know, you, you really you really do like like the characters a lot. Remy, I think, is a is a great character. Mm-hmm. And I like Patton Oswalt, so Patton Oswalt I think Patton Oswalt's like perfect for this role because yeah, you hear like the name Remy and you think, really? Patton Oswalt's playing a character named Remy? <laughs> what is this? It's kinda like when you watch like Beauty and the Beast and there's exactly one character who sounds French. <laughs> <laughs> That is that is very like you can't not think about that too. You just like Lumiere is the only like genuine French dude <laughs> in Beauty and the Beast. But then, <laughs> then with this one though, with this movie, like they got this great voice cast and they're all doing French accents, um, save for Linguini, who's not doing a French accent, and um, Pat Oswalt, who's also. But again, he's a rat. I'm sure. I'm sure. But, but with but, that one, but, there, it's like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, my other thing with that too is like I think like Patton Oswalt has like a very likable voice. He does, you know. So, so you're able to like the you're able to identify with that character a lot easier. I would say, as speaking as just an Amer like a, as a dumb American. Yeah, and like, but you know what? I always think is sort of wild. Um, that um, what's uh, Colette? Is that her name or the the love interest? The sous the sous chef that he meets. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did not know. That that was Janine Garofalo. I, I I always forget that. Like, it's such it's so like you think it's like a genuine like French person, but it turns out it's just Janine Garofalo. And I'm like, hats off, that was very good. Yeah. And then Ian Ian Holm as well. I think also does a really good job because again, like you can hear him more, but he also is like putting on the accent. So it, it just again, I'm like Ian Holm. I, he creates a great character. In this, I think I think uh, Skinner or whatever is a fantastic um, antagonist. Yes, uh, for the for the movie, I think he's really good, and it, he he almost entirely represents um, like the enemy of like creative cooking, like with the corporateness and like having like all literally all those like standees of oh, of gusto. That scene, <laughs> that scene, dude, that scene cracks me up. Talking barbecue <laughs> over here. <laughs> I just like Brad Garrett, who's a national treasure. He is, by the way. Uh, he, he voices Gusto. Uh, chef's kiss to Brad Garrett. He is man. so funny. He is so funny when he's like imaginary Gusto, and he's like, I, I love like the the animation on like imaginary Gusto, and he's just floating, <laughs> but he's this big dude. <laughs> It's, there's something really majestic about that, actually. 
it, it's it, it's so amazing. It's it's just <laughs> great. No, he's so he's so good. And again, the overall like the voice cast they got for this movie is is genuinely outstanding. And and the best part is like if you get some people who are fairly known like actors and yet they're putting on like they're actually like putting the work in to perf- like to make the performance like like th- those people like amazing like you can tell like most actors obviously like you know they're they're cast for their voice like like i imagine jason bateman playing nick wilde is clearly like oh obviously that voice sits this fits his character well but then like in other instances where like you cast a voice a- an actor like a major actor to do a voice and they they change it up they actually do like the work because they don't have to like they're not relying on their own voice because that's what they were cast for i don't know i just i always like that you know peter o, like i just want to mention like peter o'toole again like he is excellent mhm genuinely excellent in in, in this, He's very in this good. film and the animation and the animation on his character um as Anton Ego is absolutely absolutely pitch perfect <laughs> i love the scene where where he's talking about perspective Oh, well, I'll bring the perspective, and you bring the food. Should we go with the, uh, whatever, whatever, 1947? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just John Ratzenberger going, ah! <laughs> Oh my god, dude. I, I, I kind of love Anton Ego's, like, up, like, like home, like his library. Yes! It's literally like oh the god. typewriter's a skull, and the entire room is shaped like a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> I just like it. It's so amazing. <laughs> it's like you get, like you just see him and you're just like instantly like oh god. <laughs> and uh, he he has a lot of, like a lot of like the best lines um in the movie like uh, you know as I said like that last like read through of his essay or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um surprise like, me. I don't I, I don't like food. I love I it. Loved it. Like so good. It, it's just you know, it, and it, it re- everything just really just goes back to the themes. But also, like, I want to talk about this, like, food as nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? Like, like we like, think when you eat a specific dish, especially from a specific place, it takes you to, like, all those memories that, you know, th- that you had about that specific dish. Like, you know, oh, you have, like, you know, you, you have your tacos, you remember... You remember Tina making them or, you know, me with the broccoli cavatelli and my mom making it for special events or whatever. And I think about the scene where, where Ego has the ratatouille and he's immediately taken back to his childhood. It also is worth noting that they do make, uh, I've never had it, by the way, but they do make effort to let you know that ratatouille is probably not the food to make to imp- impress someone like Anton Ego, but they do it. To, to make the point even more that, you know, anything could be delicious. Anyone can cook like that. It's like a nice, like, top of the cherry on top kind of situation. But go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's exactly that's exactly it. You just said it perfectly. I mean, and I also think about that with movies sometimes as well. Like, oh, what is this? It's just like a giant like monster movie or it's just a, you know, just a superhero movie. And then it ends up being like the best version of itself that it can be, and that can be just as that can be just as satisfying as any sort of like great art house mm-hmm. movie or you know great like piece of quote unquote art. Basically, what we're saying right now is that while we do love Martin Scorsese, we do not agree. <laughs> <laughs> 
entirely. Listen, listen. <laughs> if you want to know, if you want to know something about me, like Anton Ego, like when he was eating the ratatouille in that scene, that was me watching Godzilla versus Kong. That no, dude, I saw it on your face the moment you told me about <laughs> you, like after you watched it, and like I could tell you were a child again. And you were you were in heaven, and it was beautiful. It's such a great meme template too. I, I see it all the time, uh, like in, like Blade Runner, where it's like the, the, the Anton Ego has Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and he's taken back to what he saw. Blade Runner. <laughs> it's so accurate, uh, dude. Uh, but oh, I wanted to I wanted to talk about the Last Jedi briefly. Okay, yeah. You think of the Last Jedi? <laughs> I saw you put that in the notes, and I, I was like, "What's up with that?" I mean, I'm sure you have a great reason. I'm not questioning it, but I'm just curious, I guess. Well, I think like like any good piece of art or like a good like Pixar movie, it subverts your expectations. Mm-hmm. This movie ends does not end in the way that you would traditionally like think that this would end. Like you would think like, oh, well, it ends. The critic is happy. Everybody's happy. La di da. The restaurant is saved. No. The restaurant is shut down. Ego <laughs> lost his job. But but what comes out of it is something that is unexpected and beautiful. And that is the last Jedi. But that but that's not the main oh, reason. Oh, okay. The main the main reason is that we think about like Star Wars like with legacy. Right. You think about like the Skywalker lineage or like specific lineages. Or at least that's what they focus like on this, with the movies. What what they what they focus on. Yeah. And The Last Jedi, before we found out the disaster that was Rise of Skywalker, um, <laughs> is a movie. At least, you know what? It At is, least people got paid. People got paid. <laughs> Billy D got paid. That's it. Anyway. <laughs> and we got Babu Frick. But we got Babu Frick. I'm sorry if you're about to type a comment at me saying, What about Babu Frick? The best character in this movie! This is, this is one of my favorite times in the show, whatever, like, Joey and I sort of switch roles for a second there. <laughs> Because this is totally what I would do in an other situation. <laughs> Listen. Anyways. Just, that, that movie affected me like no other in the worst possible way. <laughs> but The Last Jedi, Last Jedi, uh, is, you know, is a, is a story about, well, those lineages don't always matter. Mm. You know, a great, a great Jedi or a great hero can come from nothing. Like, like, as Kylo Ren was saying, you know, he's just like, you know, your parents were a bunch of, like, drunkards. You know, they're just in the desert in, like, a pauper's grave. But you turn out to be who you are, you know, like, despite all of that. And that, that's what makes me think of, like, Ratatouille. Like, Ratatouille, like, Linguini, you think, oh, he's the chef of Gusto. You know, oh, he just comes out from the shadows. Oh, you think he's going to be a great chef? No. No, he's no. not. But you know who is? A health code violation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a health code violation is um as ego said the one of the greatest chefs in all of france and and, and let's and let's face it let's face it anton ego is as sexy if not sexier than kylo ren but that's another story <laughs> i'd say they're on level they're, they're you know they're, they're definitely fair. on level i think if anton ego that's took fair. his shirt off and then he had like a belt like 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 his pants up to his stomach i think we would definitely have a a, a strong contest there you know what? I want to see that cut of Ratatouille now. Actually, where's that? Where's that cut of of Anton Ego having like a telepathic conversation with Remy? And Remy's like, "Could you put a shirt on, Ego? I can't. Why can't I see you? You look like you're in a hat. Are you in a tote? 
Oh. Wait a minute. Why are you in a cage? Why is there a rat? And why is there a Brian Dennehy voiced rat saving you? <laughs> oh my god. But that is, you know what? That is a very good point. And I, I, I applaud you on that. So. So. Thank you. Um, just on the brief note, uh, Disney World is also getting a ra- Ratatouille ride, mm-hmm. which is a clone of the one that's in Paris, and they're doing a little night. They did a nice little renovate, re-renovation of that little area in like the, the France Pavilion, and it looks really nice. And uh, it's it's nice to get another ride in Epcot. R I D E ride. But this movie's great. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, no, we love this movie. This movie's fantastic. It's. I'm so glad that I finally got around to watching it. I know it took me a second and a pandemic for that to happen, but at least it happened. Um, and I can now say that I've seen all Brad Bird movies, and I'm still very much a fan of his. And to, like, I, I'm always curious for any director to see them sort of shift their—I mean, shift their aesthetics and try something different. And so. It was definitely cool to to watch it and like to be like, wow, this is still like amazing and stuff. So, yeah, I was I was definitely happy to finally have seen this and to talk about it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, we're gonna take a brief, uh, brief, um, you know, dinner break and uh, maybe enjoy some ratatouille. Uh, but in the meantime, we're also looking to get a food truck, and we will return with that. Stay tuned. <laughs> Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we got a bit loopy at the end there. (laughs) But we were talking about Ratatouille. And uh, now we are moving on to another great food film from uh, director John Favreau, the 2014, right? I just want to make sure I got that 2014, yeah, 2014. The 2014 film, Chef. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> it was very scary. It was very quick. <laughs> my life flashed before my eyes. <laughs> well, uh, well, Chef, 2014, <laughs> uh, written directed by the boy, uh, the boy himself, the John boy who Patrick. lived. I mean, wait, no, that's Harry Potter. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Different boy. <laughs> yeah. So 
Shep, I mean, John Favreau, a lot of people know him as, as the show, you know, the guy who runs, you know, Mandalorian. He made, you know, two of the more successful live action Disney remakes, including one of the, like the actual, like one of the ones that people generally, generally agree is good. That being Jungle Book. And he's, of course, of course, most famously uh, directed the first film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that being Iron Man. I thought you were going to say Swingers, even though you didn't direct that. <laughs> I thought you were going to subvert my expectations. I'm a little disappointed now. <laughs> I, I was going to go for Cowboys and Aliens, but I decided not to. I, you would have been lying. <laughs> like, one of his greatest films ever. Cowboys and aliens. Like, Joey, stop lying to me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah. Uh, John Favreau. I'd say we're generally John Favreau uh, fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, he might not have made a movie, like, every movie he's made is one that we both like, but he's made a lot of movies that sort of aren't just good you know what i mean like like elf is a christmas classic i watch it every year it's so funny it's ridiculous but it's also charming cheerful and you know obviously it's got great lines like bye buddy hope you find your dad thanks mr narwhal (laughs) which is just a great line which i hear all the time and i'm okay with it um obviously iron man you know kick-started the whole mcu um, but it's still to this day probably one of the best installments, and it's one of my favorite movies. I it's one of my favorite Blu-rays, honestly. I used to have like the like sort of cheaper version that just had like the one disc, but then like they put the two disc like ultimate Blu-ray version online, and I was like, that's mine now. So I have that. And it's that beautiful. was one of my first one of my first Blu-rays. Um, actually, two oh, of yeah. my first Blu-rays were were uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, movies, that be uh, Tropic Thunder and Iron Man. <laughs> Beautiful. That's a that's a great way to start Blu-ray. Honestly, I'm to- that's awesome. Obviously, Jungle Book. We talk about Jungle Book. We talk about a lot. Honestly, because like obviously you're a big fan of the the animated movie, but we're also big fans of the live action version. And sometimes I make fun of uh, the one song in the movie, but it is what it is. <laughs> it's what it is. It's, it's a very it's a valid it's a valid thing. But we both poke fun at each other about it. Like we said memes about it. It's it's great, but it's, it's beyond beyond Christopher Walken singing. We're going to talk about <laughs> Chef, you know, which which I feel like is the ultimate representation of John Favreau as a director, but also as a foodie because he is a big foodie. Clearly, clearly, yes. Basic gist of this is uh, John Favreau is Carl Casper, Carl Casper, who is a you know is a is a well known chef. And, uh, you know, he works, he works for Dustin Hoffman. (laughs) I don't know why it's so funny to me. It's just hilarious. We don't even know, like, what is his real name? What what was his name in the movie? Reva? Is it Reva? I believe it's Reva. We have to look this up. Because he only appears really in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, Reva. There's a few actors that really only appear, like, in the first half of the movie. And then the second half's more dedicated to, like, the sort of core cast members of the movie. Right. What happens at one point is that, you know, he has, uh, you know, there's a night at the restaurant where basically, you know, the, the food critic was not impressed. No. And Casper sort of 
blames himself because he he knew it was coming and he wanted to change the menu up a little bit and make something more special for the critic especially because as we find out later the food critic is a huge fan of his like he loves carl casper and he loves this guy and so um dustin hoffman's like no we're sticking to the menu which it, it's it, i feel like i don't i'm not in that business but i feel like that is a constant thing that i've seen in like uh, like just shows and videos and like watching stuff about chefs that there's there's always that dispute between the owner and the chef because the owner wants the menu to be a certain way but the chef wants to change it a little bit to make it better and it's always like a back and forth and that seemed like that was a bit of the situation here and it didn't um go well <laughs> it didn't go well at all in fact it was it was quite harsh yeah it was quite it was quite harsh which ultimately, in all of this, leads to a very public meltdown. A very public meltdown and a viral internet meme. <laughs> it's molten! It's molten! See? <laughs> That's a, that is a pretty wild scene, actually. <laughs> so, but basically, he takes some time uh, with his family and basically... He starts up a food truck, which satisfies him way more on a personal and, and, and career level than, say, making whatever at, at this top-notch you know restaurant where he has eight bajillion people working for him. Exactly. And the, the biggest thing that happens probably for him outside of just being able to fall in love with some fall in love with his passion again is but is also to reconnect with probably the most important person in his life his kid yeah and it's funny because like this movie is sort like this type of movie in a way outside of the food stuff is is a is a genre of film that that joey and i have talked about a few times <laughs> not on the show but just in our lives the the overworked uh, overworked dad <laughs> the overworked dad um ignoring his family movie which like they're all okay they're all pretty much the same for the most part it's like you have the overworked dad and then you have the mom and the kids sad because dad's not around and the mom saying you suck as a dad because you're not spending time with your family and the dad's like but i gotta have the job so i could support you guys it's a whole thing and then typically by the end of these movies you have the dad like doing some incredible act that gets him something like a pay raise or like um he gets some time off or whatever and he gets to finally spend time with his kids or so, like something happens that causes him to be able to spend time with his family, whatever. And, um, I think the last time we watched a movie like this together was probably in New York when we saw Christopher Robin and, oh, we, sort yeah. of <laughs> and we sort of talked about that. Cause that's kind of the gist of that movie too. I think though, what makes this one stand out is that, yeah, it has that plot line, but, I think it also does a great job in that it shows sort of the the like the next part of that story that you never really see, which is the dad and the and the kid and the family sort of reconnecting through something that he loves, and in this case, it's food. Yeah, but I also think too, and this is a, a key piece that some sometimes these movies don't always get, is that the kid is also able to impart something to their parent. Yeah. It, and because, and I think it's an interesting thing because the other big thing with this movie, or one of the other big things, is social media. Like in the beginning, for Carl, social media is a disaster. 
like because he has very public meltdowns. He has a Twitter war, you know, a flame, you know, Twitter war with with a, with a critic. And it's and it's 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 also coming from that perspective of like his like with this movie, it sort of treats Carl Casper as someone who knows next to nothing about social media. So in a lot of ways, he's launching this Twitter war, uh, and and doing all this stuff without really knowing that he's getting himself into these positions. Yes. And so his perception of social media is like, what? What are you doing? What? Is that like texting? What? Is that like texting? <laughs> and, but throughout the movie, it shows that actually, like, you know, uh, the boys, sorry, that the boy, you know, his son, Percy's um, social media skills actually are a huge asset to the business, but also ends up with one of the most heartwarming moments in the whole movie where he watches the video of one second of every day. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> it, it's it's yeah, <laughs> it's 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 nice actually. <laughs> Which is it's funny too, because like this movie came out especially when like Vine was a huge thing, and I still remember like seeing all the posts that John Favre, like John Favreau, I think you really use social media as the way to advertise this movie. Because like I even remember um, Robert Downey Jr. on his uh, Instagram was posting, or even like on Vine was like showing up in John Favreau's videos as the character he plays in the movie, um, like showing off stuff and talking about stuff. So um, I feel like, I feel like they really utilize social media in a real life sense to, to push this movie. Cause I probably would never have heard about it outside of, cause it's, it's funny with, with this one, how it compares to all of John Favreau's other movies. Cause he makes these big, like technological uh, blockbuster type movies and then he makes this sort of small indie movie in a way and it's and the way it's advertised I don't know, it's kind of it's kind of wild to think about it, it, it is it is really wild but it also one of the big things i noticed immediately when i saw this movie was it kind of not exactly but it semi-paralleled with john favreau's career at that point. yeah <laughs> there's a it was just funny like some of the some of the like comments and jokes that were made while we were watching this. <laughs> <laughs> it's Iron Man 2! Uh, see? It's Iron Man 2! Oh, no, 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 Carl. Just just do the same thing. We got. We, we, everybody wants to see the next Iron Man. Come on. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, it, it, it makes me think of that. And it, it also just makes me yearn for... For him to do like a like a smaller movie at some point, like you know, once he's done with Mandalorian and all that, I'd like to see another like small movie like this. You know, that would be really nice in comparison. Because think about like some of those movies that he's made, like the big budget ones, are like go for one hundred fifty, maybe two hundred million dollars. This one was uh, was a hit on eleven million dollars. Yeah, boom. And I I know that's a lot of money in comparison to like you know actual really really low budget things but for him to make something that small for a hollywood movie to be that small is a big thing and it also just shows the appreciation that john Favre because like again he sort of put himself in this position as uh, similar to like james cameron or any of these guys like we've talked about before that wants to advance the technology of filmmaking but it all but again like all these guys as well it comes from the perspective of someone who loves what he's doing and loves the art form and wants to make it better and I think cooking is a great metaphor for that. You know, like the whole the whole thing about cooking is that, you know, you can you can look at something, you can look at a dish and be like, all right, it's great, but how can it be better? You know what I mean? Like you look at a hamburger, it's like a hamburger works 
with just a bun, cheese, meat, and that's it. But how could you enhance it? Oh, throw throw some sauce in there, throw some toppings in there, some some add some other things. I know a restaurant near me puts like uh, egg on on their burgers, and it's actually like really good. So he like I think with this movie, it's sort of like his way of expressing that part of his passion for for what he does through something else he has a passion for which is food like he actually has a show like it's something he really has. he actually has a show on netflix called the chef show and I, I i tried to watch a few episodes before we recorded this and one of my favorite ones is he talks to robert rodriguez who's also a huge foodie and is like a, a pretty like accomplished chef like and he actually does on his i don't know if he has on the spy kids but you have to check that out if he does um but uh, on a lot of his dvds and blu-rays he'll have like a video where he shows how you, how you cook a recipe from uh food that was in the movie he just made oh that's pretty cool so like like with grindhouse you know like his portion of that movie uh one character keeps going on about their famous barbecue sauce so he shows how to make that barbecue sauce on the the bonus features of that dvd and that blu-ray so like with john favreau and like seeing him interact with chefs but also other directors and other actors and like talk about food and stuff like you can clearly tell this is something he's passionate about and i think again like with this movie it works as a great metaphor for how he looks at filmmaking yeah yeah absolutely 100 percent. and just like just food like clearly this is made by a foodie <laughs> i think about like two two specific instances really get my mouth watering one is when he's making the grilled cheese for his kid and he's got the layers the stacks and the way he spreads the butter it's like oh man oh Uh, and that freaking i don't know this is the second what you're gonna say but that freaking beef brisket though that's the other one that's the other Uh, oh my god dude i was like i was telling you when we were watching it it made me think of this barbecue restaurant that's no longer there at uh near me in my area um, but they have like the best beef brisket, um, homemade barbecue sauce, um, which, uh, it was, um, it kind of, they had like different temperatures for the barbecue sauce. So it had a bit of a tang and a bit of a spice to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, it came with a side of homemade mac and cheese that was so good. And like, you can get a, a like, um, an in-house made, uh, milkshake to go along with it. It was like my favorite thing. And it, I only ever got it on like special occasions and I wish I got more of it cause it's gone now. And, and i'm sad and even like i think about like because I, I have had like i've had like the cuban like the sandwiches that they've the they cubano made. the cubano yeah like I, i've had those and it's not my favorite dish in the world but like when you see it in this movie it makes me go wait a minute do i really not like it i'm <laughs> guessing myself when I'm watching this because everything looks so good can i have the one john favreau made <laughs> like i would appreciate it like I'll see, I'll watch. I'll listen. I'll watch all of your movies. I'll have half as much fun, but I'll still do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was so mean. I apologize, but um, <laughs> but no. Truthfully, like the the food. I guess food photography. I guess you could say food cinematography in this movie is just it makes your mouth water like i feel like if you really want to make people hungry if you're starting a restaurant and you really want to make people hungry you just show this movie oh yeah it's it's the worst <laughs> like as far as like you, make, you have like an appetite again like oh man like i i literally had just eaten before we sat down to watch it and i was like i'm so hungry again 
<laughs> I really want something to eat. It, oh my god, it was so good. And uh, just seeing like like especially when the sandwich goes into the press and like that like mm-hmm. panini press thing. Yes. And this like starts toasting it and then it comes out and it's beautiful. <sighs> it's it's really nice. But I'm also thinking about um this movie has a lot of parallels with our previous film. They kind of end the same, really. <laughs> they end the same. There's like similar there's some similar character beats and similar characters. Ratatouille, you have Anton Ego as like as the critic uh as the critic, you know, and in this you have uh Ramsey Michelle played by <laughs> Oliver Platt. Yeah. <laughs> and they're both they're both, you know, hugely successful, you know, food bloggers or food food critics. And they both are like, hey, I want to open a restaurant now. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you say if we opened up a restaurant for you? What do you think about that? Of course. Like the, the, in Ratatouille, the restaurant's called Le Ratatouille. And um, then El Jefe is the name of Carl uh, Casper's restaurant. But uh, it's also, oh my gosh. It's just, it's kind of funny, like, because I didn't even think of that all that much. In the, but, like, obviously these movies have a lot in common. But then when you watch them, you're, like, you're sort of piecing some things together. And also both, both too, like, they some, not that they're the biggest parts, but they delve into, like, the more corporate si- side of some, some of this stuff. Like, you know, in Ratatouille, you, of course, have, like, the, the brand name of Gusto's being plastered on everything and frozen TV dinners and all this stuff. Whereas in this, like... You know, it's all about like trying to get all the reservations that you can and trying to play up the old favorites at your restaurant, even if they're not the most creatively satisfying or diverse menu items. You know, like I think about, I think about like uh, Oliver Platt's reaction when he's getting the same exact meal, <laughs> the same exact yeah. meal, and he's just like, oh, what is he, like, this? like he literally <laughs> looks up and then he, he he calls Scarlett Johansson over and he's like. Is this? I had this last time, didn't I? She's like, I believe so. Yes. I was like, um, I, I thought I, I was promised that there was gonna be something a little bit special tonight. She's like, it certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, oh my god! And then Dustin Dustin Hoffman comes over with his bottle of wine. And you're like, oh god, Dustin, stop it! <laughs> Two thousand nine, uh, like, <laughs> and clearly, clearly, Oliver Platt's just like. Uh huh. I, I see am, that. I am not very impressed, but okay. <laughs> and then the moment, the moment that tweet comes out where he's like, "I guess Carl Casper's a no show. Nothing happened," and he's like, "Son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> it's molten!" <laughs> oh man! I, I just like the the whole cast in this is so good i mean you got i mean obviously it's the only time and i asked you this too it's the only time that john favreau actually like is a lead in his own movie to my knowledge as far as i can think of yeah which is kind of wild because like you think about a lot of people you know more as actors at least for a while like john favreau obviously i recognized him more as an actor before i knew him as the director and um it seems like with a lot of other movies, like Ben Affleck or Joel Egerton, who make who've directed their own movies, they tip it. They've like starred in their own movies as well, and so it's just kind of like, 
I mean, it's 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 like okay, you know, it, it's whatever you want to do, whatever you're good at. But I think it was it's sort of the opposite with John Favreau's that he feel I'm sure he feels himself more a director first, and then an actor second. But then with this one, because probably because it's a smaller movie, he's like, yeah, I'll just star in it. Especially because the story feels very personal to him, so it exactly. only makes sense. Yeah, because he's writing, directing. He might as well be the the main character. And oh my god! And then you got John Leguizamo. Who I always love. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun in this, especially like, especially when you when you get to like the road trip. Part <laughs> uh, he pours the cornstarch in his pants. <laughs> that's it's a like, great scene. <laughs> Do you pour cornstarch on your balls? <laughs> like, yeah, I need to pour it on my huevos. <laughs> oh, it's, it's too much humidity up here. <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, "Dad, Dad, he's pouring cornstarch on his balls. You're pouring cornstarch on your balls." Can I have some? <laughs> He's like, no. you want to go for it? And I love when like the, the sons try to like try to convince them to take him along for like the summer vacation on the food truck. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're you're working me? <laughs> Come on, kid. Oh, oh, and the kid, the kid is from Krampus. MJ, MJ Anthony, MJ Anthony. He's really good, and I think um, I was thinking about the um, what should we call it? I was thinking about Jungle Book. John Favreau is a really good director of children. He is, actually. Which is a very... It's difficult to do that because, you know, I always hear, like, the famous expressions, really difficult things to work on in movies. Water, animals, kids. Like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, only so, and only so many people have been successful at, at all three of those. So <laughs> you need to have a movie with a kid riding a horse or riding a, riding a whale in the ocean and it's if it's perfect, like come on, that's the best director ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, we said Oliver Platt, Scarlett Johansson's Scarlett Johansson, uh, Sofia Sofia Vergara. But like our core cast is definitely John Favreau, John Leguizamo, and MJ Anthony. Yes, yeah. Um, but the, there are there are tons of like great actors show up. Like I said, Robert Downey Jr. shows up for one scene. His scene is hysterical. <laughs> he, he he essentially plays this like he's like a a benefactor or something or some sort of like like he's got money, but he also happens to be his ex, uh, John Favreau's character's ex wife's ex husband. That was a mouthful. <laughs> but like like he like anytime he talks to John Favreau, like we were talking about this, he's sort of like the the subverting expectations in character form like, like, like anytime he was talking like he like you would think it was going somewhere but then at the very end he would shift it and it would be something completely different like what <laughs> and then the whole time it was just him going i i, I might have had sex with your wife but i can't say i might have though <laughs> oh my god and that and that that becomes a whole um a whole thing and also, I just want to briefly mention, uh, a- Amy Sedaris is in this movie, and I was thinking about BoJack Horseman, because in this, she plays, like, a publicist, and she's sort of, like, an agent, like, you know, type of BoJack Horseman. <laughs> <laughs> so just hearing her say, like, oh, Carl, why don't you just go on, um, on Hell's Kitchen? What? I'm already a... <laughs> I'm already a chef. <laughs> uh, she's she's a great go-to i think for john farrow because i i like her whenever she shows up yes um but it, it, i just th- th- there's just there's so much about this movie that i absolutely love it it, it has become like a fa- it's been a favorite of mine 
ever since I saw it in theaters. Like, it, it was one of those, and it doesn't always happen with me with modern movies, but, like, you know, especially something like this, like, where it's just, like, yeah, I just think it's 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 exactly what it needed to be. And I think it was really nice to see John Favreau tell tell this kind of story. And as again we said before, this is like an R-rated family film. Yeah, it was the that was the weirdest thing about it, and like in a good way. But it was so weird because I didn't think this was R. Because again, I'd never seen it. I didn't think it was R-rated, and I saw that it was because we watched it on Netflix. And I was like, wait, what? I thought this was like a movie, like especially the poster, like the the poster for the movie, like the yellow poster. It says chef on it with the little truck. And then you have like John Favreau, John Leguizamo, the kid and Sofia Vergara, like smiling in the truck, like having a good time. My first thought is, oh, family. It's a family movie. It's a family picture. And it is, but it's a family picture that 17 and up could watch. <laughs> I think, and there's also just like a lot of speaking on the more of the family angle. I think about like a lot of the lessons that both of them they learn from each other throughout. Like, you know, obviously he has to learn to take care of his kid, but also like the son learned some good stuff too. Like I think about when they're making this the um, making the sandwiches for the guys that help out, um, and the son's like, "Well, can't we just serve him the Bert sandwich? They're getting him for free." And you know, Carl has to pull him aside and says, "Listen, this is very important for me." And I hope it'll be it'll you'll, it is something you'll like too. So let's understand this. Should, should we should, should we have served that sandwich? No. Okay. Let's no. make a new one. <laughs> and I, I, I that was a good that was a good scene because it didn't feel. I also like because it didn't feel like he was being like condescending, right, toward, towards his kid. But he's just saying like no, like he's trying te- he's teaching his son like a valuable like a pretty good like life lesson. It wasn't him just blowing up at his kid like he did earlier on. It's molten. <laughs> <laughs> no. well, I, I mean i bet more like like the whole like dish thing when he was like clean your dish out and he's like clean the dish out oh yeah oh, clean the intense. dish out. that got really intense but like no he definitely like pulled him aside and was like come on you know come on <laughs> um but then i also i also like um the really quick on, like on a parenting note i love the scene when the kid drinks beer and the kid and the kids like and he's like tastes like piss huh and he's like that wasn't great and he's like remember that when a kid offers you beer again <laughs> that was great <laughs> <laughs> like that's just a great like beautiful oh you know one of my favorite moments is too is when he meets his like his uh his father-in-law again and he's saying like oh it's like it's bad it's like oh you gained some weight He's like, no, I lost 15 pounds. The father-in-law's like, I lost 20. It's like, you come up with like, I say 15, you come up with 20. Like, <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> what is going on? But, and everything, and it's one of those where it, everything, it, it wraps up so nicely. And it's a nice, happy, it's a nice, happy ending. This is great. You get nice shots of food. You get um, people dancing. You get uh, the father-in-law singing songs. You get the critic getting slapped in the hand, trying to take the food, which is a cute little moment with the kid. It, it really is like a, a nice like kind of bow on the present kind of thing. Like it's a nice wrap up. Oh, you know what I was thinking about too? Because I also talk about like food as nostalgia mm. in like in the last part, <clears throat> in the last part. And this, that sort of comes up here as well, where, where John Favre, like Carl talks about like, yeah, you know, when you eat, when you eat that food, you think about the memories that you've had you mm-hmm. know? 
from previous time, you know, and all and all, and all that stuff. So again, another ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though, on that note as well, I think as far as the food in this film, he we also see food as a cultural thing. Yes. And we yes. so like like I love the bits when like they're in a new when they're in a new place and he wants um his son to try food there because while you know it might be good the way he makes it but it's not going to be anywhere near the same as if you get it from the source you know something more authentic you know and they also change it they change up the menu wherever wherever they go to with different you know with different Mm -hmm. offerings and different different options which is always always kind of cool and i always i just like the scenes too where they're just they're just walking through the locations too like they're they're in new orleans you know they're they're in Texas and they're in all all these different places and it just feels it just feels like really it's just kind of cool honestly I don't know and it's but but I mean it, like it shows again that food is a cultural thing and you know anywhere you go you know people will always say like oh the 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 food this particular food is great here um, like obviously with pizza we talk about like you know New York City in America. New York City being sort of like the mecca for pizza, like I was saying earlier on. And um, I remember when we went to, when I went to New York City to see you and we got pizza, like genuine New York City pizza, and it was amazing. Like, there's like no matter what, like, there's no, there's no other way you could get genuine New York pizza anywhere. Like, listen, I don't, I like Domino's. But Brooklyn style, cool, but it's just not the same. I mean, and also it's just hard too for them because it's like it again, like a McDonald's type of situation. They have to appeal to a wide range where it's just like the pizza is only of offensive. The taste is only offensive to you if you're somebody who doesn't usually have like real pizza, right? So to speak, you know, right? And but it's just like you know, c- certain foods, you know, like 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 we were talking about earlier with our favorite foods, like, you know, with the specific restaurants that we go to, like, like in my particular area, I talk about Swenson's because that is like a staple of, of this area. Uh, you can't get, I mean, you can get drive-in burgers and get those kind of burgers elsewhere, but the way that Swenson's makes it is very much, you know, unique to this area. And so it's like, you know, it's always exciting. That's like I said, that's the first thing you do if you want to show someone food that's unique to the area. You go straight to that, straight to that spot, and you have a great time. And like I said, if they don't like it, you just kick them out of the state. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think these are just both like really fun pairings as far as just movies are concerned. They're both very similar in certain respects. They're also ve- they all have their own differences too. Like we forgot to talk about this Ratatouille. It's just such such a pretty looking movie i think about like the landscape like the beautiful like shots of like paris that you see and i love the ending shot of ratatouille right which makes makes me think very much um some shots in chef but you know and and like i said chef has that you know some of the authenticity by going to all those different locations and all that but point being like uh like critics the job of a critic is is an interesting one for one there's a lot of parallels to filmmaking. <laughs> Ratatouille makes you think of the Last Jedi, and food is important. Listen, food is amazing, and if you're willing uh, and able to just like explore different types, different things, open up your palate, 
um, experiment a little bit, you might find something truly special. At the same time, I think that applies a lot to movies. And the funny thing with this episode being that both of these movies for me were new experiences. And this whole past year, I think, I think what, what I relate to the most is that this whole past year, I've had an opportunity to sit down and do exactly that, open my palate and try new things, which like, I don't think there's anything wrong with knowing what you like. And, you know, I think that's incredibly important is knowing what you like, but I also think it's incredibly important to try something new and to try new experiences. And with movies, you know, you might, you might, think oh i don't think i would like that but then you watch it turns out to be your like your favorite thing like for me paddington never thought i would sit and watch either of those movies watch from the past year they're probably two of my favorite movies in like top 10 list little women is probably a movie you never expected you would watch here you are watching it and now it's like a movie that you adore wholeheartedly i, I cry i cry watching it every time uh, and it's 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 just short it just shows that you know there's so many. There's so many things worth experiencing. Hunt, hunt for the wilder people. Hunt for the wilder people. I, I probably never would have seen. I absolutely adore that movie. You know, like there's there's just a lot a number of great examples. My, my end of things. There's some great things. You know, I never would have seen uh, the Invisible Man. You know, going mm-hmm. back. That's a, quite a throwback. <laughs> going back to episode two, the 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 2020 version. By the way, you know, that is a very is a very good movie, and. You know, and just rewatching the Batman movies. Like I never thought I would rewatch Batman Forever and find something interesting about it. And pro- would you? And probably even find that maybe that might be one of your favorite amongst those movies. Yeah, like which is <laughs> which is wild. Um, but <laughs> but and, and it's a and it's actually like a pretty solid movie too. So, but like that's and that's ultimately like what I love about just doing this show. I know it's just relating back to us, but that's you know that's it, we're. It's the show, okay? But, but I, I, that's why I love doing the show as much as I do because it gives me that, like, and you, that opportunity to, to watch things you probably never would have watched. And now, even outside of the show, like, you know, it's just, it's a, it's something that's being adopted into, like, a regular, like, day life. And it's, it's exciting, honestly, because now, though it's also scary because now I, I'm going to start losing a lot of space. Because <laughs> I just be like, okay, I don't have room for this, but I'm happy to have it. <laughs> and that's why I'm actually very excited for next week's episode. Not to jump into that, but it's kind of an equal exchange of of, of things. Yes, it really is. You're showing me something that I've never seen before, and I'm showing you something that you've never seen. Which I'm I'm very I'm always excited about experiences like that. That's, that's the, those are my favorite like ideas that we have too. Sometimes, like when we have that episode, that rare occasion where it's like we're both showing each other something, and it's like a newer experience. So, folks, um, what what are your what are your favorite foods? What are your favorite like places to eat? What are your favorite uh, home cooked dishes and and whatnot? Um, what is your favorite part of the Rise of Skywalker, and why is it Babu <laughs> Frick? Please let us know. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We both have letterboxes. Uh, YouTube, we're 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 working on the YouTube thing. You know, we got, we're, 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 we're getting it out there. I'm proud of ourselves, honestly. And I don't normally say that, but I'm actually <laughs> very, very proud of ourselves. Pat on uh, the back. <laughs> this is the the two dudes, two dudes of uh, victory lap parade. Uh, <laughs> if, you want, <laughs> if you want 
if you want something that's more uh, more selfless, go to church. Um, anyway, that about <laughs> wraps it up for this week. Uh, check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone. Bonjour, monsieur, mademoiselle. Thank you so much for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am now going to end this French accent because it is absolutely terrible. I am so, so sorry for even attempting a French accent. It was it's a, it's a bad idea. Bad idea all around. But seriously, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Special thank you, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. The music is amazing. Specifically to John Armstrong for making our amazing, perfect new logo. It's the coolest thing ever. Thank you so much, sir. You are a gem. And of course, a hint to next week's double feature. We are going to the wild, wild west. But not with Will Smith. Dear God, not with Will Smith. No offense. Mm -hmm.